So when I was 10 years old, I went to a summer camp in North Carolina that was centered around an outdoor experience. There was rappelling, rafting, you know, just hanging out in the woods. And one part of this experience was an overnight, you know, hike, kind of camp in the woods. And so me and the guys from my cabin, we hiked off into the woods. I remember it being kind of a long hike, but it was probably like, you know, 45 minutes or something. And being 10 years old, it feels like a long time. We, we set up camp. We, we built, put up this one big tent that the whole cabin was able to stay in together. We cooked our meal over a fire and, and ran around like hunting for snipes. It was the first time I'd ever heard of that and felt a little foolish afterwards. Okay, no one else has ever done that. All right. <laughs> exactly. Um, so uh, when it got dark, you know, the counselors kind of tried to settle us down and, and got us all in the tent, and we're just kind of goofing around in there. And then all of a sudden, we heard this noise. And the counselor said, shh, everybody quiet. Quiet down. And there was the noise again. It was the sound of a mountain lion. And so they're, they're, you know, quietly yelling at everyone to be quiet and to, and to hush up. And the sound got a little bit louder. And then it got a little bit louder. As it started to get closer and closer. So the counselors are, you know, saying, get under your sleeping bags. Cover yourselves up. Get underneath and I just remember sitting there in total fear. Just thinking, okay, this is it. I am dead. This thing is going to eat me. We are all going to die. I don't think I've ever been more terrified in my life. We all experience fear. It's a primary emotion. Stay tuned, okay? Sometimes that feeling is prolonged. Right, that feeling of fear. It's not just in a flight or fight response, but it ends up being stretched out. And that is where it begins to hurt us, by this emotion of fear. When it's something that we're experiencing at all times or just frequently, it becomes unhealthy. And there's a lot of things that can, that can bring that that on, this kind of ongoing feeling of, of being afraid or worrying. Now, for some of us, maybe it's just a fear of death, but maybe in a few weeks it will be looking at your credit card statement and the financial fallout of Christmas will hit you. Maybe in your place of work or parenting kids at home or in school, it's a, it's a fear of failure, like you're just not going to perform. Or it's a fear of rejection. You know, there's relational tension in your life. You're, you're, you're afraid of, of losing someone or, you know, some relationship as you're you know, going to experience during this, this busy holiday season and visiting with family. Maybe there's a fear there of rejection. Or for some people, it's tragedy. You know, you're, you're, you fear for your kids or, you know, your spouse, people you care about, especially if they're, you know, sick or there's something going on. Maybe it's the apocalypse. You know, nukes from North Korea, robots taking over the world, you know, you name it, okay? Some, some crazy virus that spreads all over the earth. Or, you know, the common one, public speaking. God forbid I ask you to come up here, okay? I won't, I won't do that to you. So 
the question I want to I pose today, and we've been looking at the past three weeks, is, is how do we overcome fear? What, what's the solution? How do we get out from under worry, anxiety, or even just, I just feel afraid? We heard an amazing passage of Scripture read by these kids, and here's what the message of Christmas is summarized so succinctly by that angel to those shepherds 2,000 years ago. It's this. Don't be afraid. There's good news. If Christmas is about anything, it is about don't be afraid. There's good news. There's a Savior who is Christ the Lord who is bringing joy to all people and peace on earth. Don't be afraid. There's good news. Now, the few verses, the seven verses that preceded this section that Nate and Abby read talks about, you know, the classic Christmas story of Mary and Joseph, you know, traveling to Bethlehem and, you know, there's no room in the inn and, you know, Jesus is in the manger and all that stuff. Mary and Joseph had a lot that they could have been afraid of in that season. This was not your ideal birth experience. You meet with the birth coach, you go through, here's all the things I'd like to see happen. That's probably not what was on Mary's list. Right? There's so many factors that, that could have led them to be afraid. And we don't know if they were or not. I, I would like to assume they weren't perfect people, right? It's probably a safe assumption. So there's probably some fear mixed in. First of all, this is the first baby. Do you remember that one, parents? I remember, right? They're freaking out a little bit, right? For us, we have three kids. And I can remember feeling this overwhelming sense of uncertainty and unpreparedness when my son Samuel was getting closer and closer to being born. It was like, okay, well, you know, what do we need? And what is going to happen during this birth? And, and so when Jay went into labor, I went into denial. I was like, this is not happening. I'm praying. I'm like, it's two weeks early. I can't do this. You know, we're not going there. So she's laboring by herself all night, and I'm freaking out, and then I went to sleep. So she's the real champ in the family, okay? Got up the next morning. I said, okay, we're ready to go. Let's do it. Okay. All right, what do we, you know, what do we do? What are we going to know? It is that. A few weeks ago at Thanksgiving, we were, we were hanging out with my brother-in-law's sister. They're close friends of our family as well, and they're having their first child, and they asked the question, you know, everyone's telling us, you know, you need this and you need that. And now we have three kids, and they said, you know, what do you think, you know, we should get? And I said, this is what you need. You need a car seat, and you need an ergo. Everything else, you'll be all set. And if you don't know what an ergo is, it's one of those little baby carriers. With one of those little baby carriers and a car seat, you can do anything. Kid can sleep in there. You can sleep here. You're good to go. Take them home to the hospital. That's all you need, okay? You get everything else, figure it out. Wrap them in a blanket. They'll be warm, okay? <clears throat> you get the point, okay? Mary and Joseph, this is the first one, okay? They're freaking out. You can imagine, right? Joseph is worried the whole trip. Okay, what am I going to do if she goes into labor on the way? Okay, give birth on the donkey, next to the donkey. How does this work, right? Will my insurance cover this out of state, right? How is Mary going to feel about having the baby at our in-law's house, okay? Secondly, they had to travel, okay? Mary and Joseph are pawns that we see in this this larger picture of the world, right? Caesar's like, boom, we're doing a census. Apparently, there was no exemption for those going into labor, okay? Okay? 
They have no control over these circumstances. Okay, sound familiar to you maybe? Right? So, there was, it was a hundred mile journey. Okay, from Nazareth to Bethlehem. So according to Google, that would have been 32 hours of walking. That's a long trip. I'm guessing maybe they, they, they probably planned ahead and didn't leave like the day before the baby was born because they thought it was coming. But still, that's not an easy thing. It's not easy to travel when you're pregnant, let alone doing that on foot over 100 miles. Okay? That's a big deal. And the conditions in the birth center were less than ideal. Okay? We've got some kind of a cave, stable, you know, side house where the animals are. We're not exactly sure what that word in means. Uh, Jesus gets put in a feeding trough with, you know, horse, you know, saliva, and who knows what else is in there, okay? We see, you know, there's no midwife here. Mary and Joseph, it seems that they're alone because Mary is indicated as the one that has to wrap Jesus in the swaddling clothes. There's no one whisking the baby away, okay, washing him down or wrapping him up or doing all that stuff. They're kind of on their own. You have to imagine emotionally what Mary and Joseph are going through. Okay? Joseph, man, what kind of a husband am I that this is how I am providing for my family? You know, my wife's given birth. They're putting the kid in the manger. He's looking at this going... Is this the best I could do for my family? I should have planned ahead. You know, we should have left three weeks earlier, you know? He's angry at himself. Maybe he's angry at God. God, this is all you're doing. I didn't, that's not my baby. Right? I thought you were good. I obeyed the angel. This has not been convenient. People have been ridiculing me, right? Making fun of me, saying, that's not your baby, right? They, People knew she was pregnant before they had come together. You know, maybe I can't believe you let Caesar pick now to have this census. All those questions on every angle to be angry at God. Maybe it's Mary. You know, she dreamt about becoming a mother. You know, high hopes for what that first birth experience was going to be. And she's looking at the same thing at her baby in a dirty manger Maybe she's feeling disappointed in herself. You know, maybe she's angry at God as well. She's making the hugest sacrifice of her life to carry this baby. She said yes to God. And this is where he's led from a yes? Right, Joseph was about to divorce her. Her friends maybe have rejected her. Some of her family members are, are also like looking down on her. You wonder if that is why they actually had to stay in the inn. Just throwing it out there. So maybe Mary's angry at God as well. And maybe you felt similar in seasons of your life, maybe even now. You've been at the mercy of, of, of higher powers around your world, right? Powerful people that, that control situations in your life. Maybe you've followed God, you've tried to do what's right, only to be in a place that you did not expect that is not what you were hoping for, to say the least. Sudden loss of a job, maybe threat of a job loss, you know, sickness for someone you love, uncertainty in a relationship. In all of this, the message we hear is don't be afraid. 
What reason is there to not be afraid? That's a simple thing to say, but that's a hard thing to live. Especially when in this world it seems like there are many things that can go wrong. We know worrying doesn't accomplish much. But that's really hard to let worry and fear go. Is there any, really any good reason not to be afraid with all the stuff that happens in this world? What reason is there to not be afraid? Well, here's again the message the angels hear. Don't be afraid. There's good news. Now, we, we often try to battle fear in a number of ways. Sometimes we just kind of ignore it. We ignore the issue or the situation, if that's a possibility. We just try to pretend that it's not there. But it always comes back at inconvenient times, doesn't it? And ruins the party. A second way we can deal with it is we can harden our hearts. If you don't love something, you don't have to fear its loss. And so some, as a response to fear, have just said, you know what, I'm not going to love that deeply because I cannot handle losing something that dearly to me. Another one is just, we just succumb to it. We cannot get out from under it. We can't overcome it. It just is always before us. And so, so interesting that God sends angels to these shepherds with a message. Now, why the shepherds? Why not just send them right to Mary and Joseph? They're the ones in this situation. Another angelic visit, visitation probably would have been welcome. Right? In a time of uncertainty, staring at their kid, their firstborn, sitting in a, you know, cow's feeding trough. You know, why the, why the middleman here, so to speak? Well, Maybe it was that Mary and Joseph needed a little bit of human support. Again, we mentioned this earlier in this Christmas season and a little bit today, but they probably experienced some rejection at the fact that Mary was, you know, by all kind of human visibility, you know, pregnant with someone that was not Joseph's baby, right? Before they were married. She had committed adultery. They'd already encountered angels, so maybe it was just that they needed some other people to come along and celebrate when there was no one else there to do that. Well, maybe it was about the shepherds too. You know, God was just looking to pull some other people into this story. And being kind of like the lowest tier of society, man, they were sure to respond. Because they never got invited anywhere. And they're camping in winter. A long time ago, when I was in college, uh, my sophomore year during Easter, we had one friend in this group of friends that I was with that was from the Adirondacks in New York, upstate New York. And we decided, hey, it's Easter weekend, let's all drive out to New York and let's go camping. It'll be awesome. You know, we'll summit Mount Marcy, this is going to be a wild time. You know, we're, gonna, we're, gonna, we're, we're tough, tough guys, you know. So we got to his house, we got all our gear prepped, you know, and we went out that first day, and there's, you know, you hit the trail, and there's snow on the ground, and, and still in, you know, in April, it's cold. We hiked around, you know, went to see this waterfall, went back to this lean-to we were staying in, and settled down for the night. You get in your sleeping bag, and you go, 
it's cold. We all woke up the next morning, everyone's kind of just, you know, walking around, shivering, didn't sleep very much because it was so cold. And someone just kind of threw the idea out there that everyone was thinking, what if we just went back and spent the rest of the Easter at your mom's house? And everyone's like, that sounds great, let's get out of here. So we just, there was an end of our hiking, one trip in the Adirondack Magnus, one night in the Adirondack Magnus, and we got out of there, right? Camping at night in the winter is no fun. These shepherds are sure to respond, okay? And, and think about their situation, okay? They're doing a job that is kind of looked down upon by people in that society. They're out in the fields. That's their home. The angels are choosing these guys to show up to. I think the point of this is that for all time, they're included in the story, and you have to talk about shepherds around Christmas. And if, and if you do any of the digging about the culture, you realize that they're this lower level, right, kind of outcast, just smelly guys that no one wants to be around. And God brought them in. It's impossible to ignore the statement that the angels make that this joy is for all people. Even shepherds. It's even embedded in the narrative. It's incredible, right? It's for everybody and it's bigger than them. So you have to know that the message that they heard the angels say was relayed to Mary and Joseph. Probably seven times, right? Everyone's wanting to tell a good story, especially these shepherds who maybe didn't have any. Who knows? But they got the message, but it came through these shepherds, people with skin on, people that were there to celebrate the birth of this child and probably weren't afraid of a dirty baby in a manger with animals, right? They weren't afraid of it. God welcomes them in to show Mary and Joseph, hey, you don't need to be afraid. Right? There's good news. I'm with you. I'm working. I'm speaking. I'm moving all around. I know this is not what you dreamed up, but this is going to be better than any dream you've ever had. There is good news. Right? And this is the message of the good news. Right? It's don't be afraid. This is something that angels say over and over again. It's like all these angelic visits we've been reading from the front here, it's like every time they show up, they're like, okay, don't be afraid. And I think that's probably in part because anytime some giant, shining warrior shows up out of nowhere where you're around, it's probably a little bit terrifying. But I think it's also interesting that that is the most often repeated command in the Bible. So yes, it's of course the immediate context, but I think it's tapping into a theme that is woven through the entire Scripture that it's saying over and over and over again, don't be afraid, trust God. Don't be afraid, I'm working, I'm with you, there's good news. Right? Think back to the dawn of creation. And after Adam and Eve, if you know that story, right, they eat from the fruit, And the first emotion that they feel, the first thing that they experience is shame. They look and they go, I'm naked! Right? They feel shame. But the very next thing they feel is fear. It's like every time this word is spoken by God or by an angel, it's reaching back into the garden when they ran from God. They said, I heard you walking around and I was afraid of you. 
It's reaching back into that, into all of history to say, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Occasionally, uh, my wife will start a conversation with me that says, I have something to tell you. And sometimes she'll say, oh, don't worry, it's nothing, it's nothing bad. And then you go, ah, okay. But when she doesn't say that, you know, okay, there's something going on, right? And I've got better. A lot of times she'll say, okay, but don't freak out, okay, because I have a pattern of freaking out, right, as you can tell from our birth, first birth story. So, you know, she starts to tell me something, and the kids are interrupting because they're running around, and I'm like, ah, you know, and so in my mind, I'm, I'm starting to go a little more crazy because I'm waiting, and I'm wondering, you know, what it is. If at some point, again, she was to say, don't worry, it's good news, it makes the fear fall away, right? This is the message to the shepherds, Right? Don't be afraid. It's good news. And here comes the good news. There's great joy for all people. Now, if you've hung around Christians for a while or you've been in church occasionally, that may not be the prevailing message that you hear from the church. Great joy. What's this whole deal about following Jesus? Great joy. What is this about? Great joy. This is the angelic proclamation of the gospel. They lead with, there's great joy for all people. They're not leading with judgment, hell, and damnation. Right? Although, they could have probably talked about some of those things. They're saying, here is the good news. There is great joy for all people. And Jesus said it himself. Why did he come? These things I've spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. We have some room to improve here, guys. All of us, including the guys standing up here on the stage. It's great joy. It's the fullness of joy. This is what Christmas is about. Joy that's better than any party you've ever been to, any relationship you've ever experienced, any event, any concert. It's great joy. It's the greatest joy. That is the message of Christmas. And somehow, amazingly, God is that good that that is what he wants to bring into our lives, is the fullness of joy that's going on in heaven. God wants us to be free from the fear that steals our joy. He wants us to be free from the fear that steals our joy. Don't be afraid. There's good news of great joy that will be for all the people. This is for everyone. It's not just people that have it together, right? The shepherds are illustrating that again for all time. And how is this going to happen? There's a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And he's born this day, shepherds. Go check it out, right? Jesus is the Savior of the world. The Bible says in Matthew 1 that an angel appeared to Joseph, as we talked about a few weeks ago, actually, sorry, that was last week, and told him to call this baby that was in Mary, to call him Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Jesus is the Savior of the world, the one who was sent to save us from our sins and from the wickedness of this world, the evil of this world. That's why Jesus came, was to rescue, right? Right? 
He wasn't sent to condemn the world. Right? It says in John 3.17, we need a rescuer. We need someone to get us out of the mess of our lives, the mess of this world, the mess of the harm that we've done to one another, and our, even ourselves. That's Jesus. And He is the Christ. Meaning, that word means Messiah. He's a human being. He's the one that was promised to the Jewish people long ago that would usher in this age of expectancy that they had, this age to come, the messianic age. They called it the, they viewed it as the golden age for the Jewish people. They would do away with this earlier age of evil that was the Mosaic covenant. They would do away with it and deliver them from oppression and putting an end to the tyranny of their enemies. That came in a way that they didn't expect, but it was way better than they did. Right? That's Jesus. He's the Christ. He's the Messiah. He's the anointed human to bring redemption to the people of God. And he is the Lord. He is God. Somehow this man that walked the earth is also God. And this is what we celebrate at Christmas. The incarnation that God would come down from heaven and marry creation. The very physical matter and atoms of this world for all time. That Jesus would always have a physical body. That God would value us and the stuff that we're made of that much to say, I will join myself even to the fallenness of this world so that I can bring it back and make it right. That is, that is creation. It's, it screams, sorry, the incarnation, it screams the love of God. Oh, it's valuing us so much. And the angels end with glory to God in the highest, peace on earth. Shalom. Meaning, not just end of war, but meaning wholeness. Meaning the world becoming what it was meant to become. To reflect heaven. That heaven would invade earth. That all of earth would reflect the glory of God. And the knowledge of the glory of God would fill the earth as water covers the sea. God wants heaven here. That's why Jesus came. He's the seed of heaven. He's the first fruits, right? That is what Christmas is about. Heaven invading earth. So how do I get free from fear? The message of the angels to the shepherds to take to Mary and Joseph and tell them over and over again, don't be afraid. There's good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you this day is born in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace, goodwill towards men. You beat fear by believing a different story. You beat fear by shifting to a different narrative that informs your life your decisions, your emotions even. I'm advocating for the story of the Bible. Now, I told you the story of my experience camping in North Carolina. Well, I'm still alive, and I don't have scars all over my face. It turns out there was a kid in another cabin next to ours that could make a really realistic sound of a mountain lion. And so our counselors schemed the day before, to have this kid camp with his group nearby to us and to come and make this noise and get closer and closer and closer. But the narrative that I was believing in that moment was, that sounds like a mountain lion. Our counselors are telling me it is a mountain lion, right? I do not live in North Carolina. 
I don't know a lot about mountain lions. This thing is going to maul and eat us. It will not be pretty, right? And so when one kid ran across all the sleeping bags out of terror, and we're under them thinking that a mountain lion is coming in, we're kicking and fighting it thinking it's the mountain lion, right? Needless to say, right? It was a mess for the counselors to clean up later, emotionally, okay? But here is the narrative that we are tapping into, and the narrative of the Bible. If this is your first time in church, here's the Bible in a nutshell, right? This world is a mess. You're saying, no duh, okay? Well, the Bible is the best explanation of why. It doesn't go the route of saying, you know what? It's just natural selection. This is just all there is. Whatever. It's survival of the fittest. Lions kill gazelles. People kill each other. There's nothing but this. It doesn't go that route because it says this is not the way the world's supposed to be. And it wasn't made that way. The Bible says God made the world good and that people are the ones that messed it up. We, we said no to God's way. We harm each other. We insult God. We harm the very planet itself. We don't take care of it because of selfishness and greed, right? And lust for power and control. And the reason the world is messed up is because we have done it. That is the message of the Bible. It's not God's fault. And so we live in a broken world. Well, why don't we fix it? And speaking about this problem of fear, why don't we just fix it? Well, we've been trying for a long time. People have come up with all kinds of ideas for how to fix this world. And nothing has worked. And you know that because when you try to fix yourself, you can't even do that. Why doesn't God just fix it? If he's so powerful and so good, why doesn't he just snap his fingers and make all the pain go away and make it all right? You know, how can there even be a good God when a world's so full of horror and tragedy and so many things that there are to fear? The simple answer to that question is three words. Love requires freedom. God is love and he wanted to share real love with people. And so he had to make us free. But if we're really free, if we're really free, then we we can choose not to love. And that is exactly what we did. It's exactly what Adam and Eve did. It's exactly what all of us have done in our lives in multitudinous ways. Right? God created us with the capacity to love which isn't possible if we aren't free to say no. The reason that there's evil and harm in this world is because of love. Because love requires freedom. Without freedom, there is no love. And we said no. So, can God do anything about that? Well, I'll tell you one thing he's not willing to do. He's not willing to rescind freedom. He does not manipulate or control people. So the only thing that he could do is win us back through love. And that's exactly what he did. He did the most loving thing that could ever be dreamed up in the history of the world. Someone who's perfect, who had no part in this mess. 
Well, she was wor- trying to work against us making such a big mess of this world, entered into that mess, became a person, went through all the horrors that have been experienced in this world, the person of Jesus, through his life, just experiencing kind of the normal ebbs and flows and tragedy and fear of life, although he never gave in to fear. And then, of course, the suffering and rejection he felt as he went to his death on the cross. And in that life and in that moment showed us what God was like. He showed us what love was like. It looks like this. Someone that doesn't reject the prostitute who's condemned or the woman caught in adultery who's about to be stoned that accepted those people, that loved everyone, was constantly calling, even those that were ridiculing him. He would argue with them, but was calling them to turn away from their evil and believe and receive forgiveness that he was going to provide. And ultimately on the cross, to bear the sin of the world. He subjected himself. He could have at any moment just said, okay, I'm done. I'm I'm done with these people. I'm done with this. He says, no one takes my life from me, but I lay it down. At any moment, he could have said no. He could have called 10,000 angels, as the song goes. He submitted to their violence so that he could access death. He could take all that sin, bear all of that, that wickedness and everything that was associated with it and take it into the cross and into the grave and bury it and defeat it and defeat sin and defeat the devil and defeat death itself. That's where Christmas leads. And it didn't stop there because God showed that Jesus was really the Son of God by raising him from the dead. We don't serve a dead prophet. We serve a living Savior who is Christ the Lord. Right? That's what God did. That's way harder than snapping your fingers and just removing our freedom and fixing all the problems. And it's way more loving and it's a way better story. That's what God did about it. The invitation to us today to get out of fear and frankly, everything else that holds us back is to believe in Jesus. This story of the man who was God, who suffered and died on the cross to defeat death and sin and wickedness, who was raised to life so that we would be forgiven of all of our sins set free from the power of fear and sin in our own lives, and then to be filled with His very Spirit when we believe in Him, to be married to Him for all time, that's Christmas. You can't separate it from the whole story. And that is how great joy comes to people and how this earth will finally have peace. As more and more people put their faith in Jesus, allow the great love of God to transform their own lives, know that they're forgiven, know that they're free from the power of sin, know that they're filled with the Spirit, and then can do what Jesus did. That's where the peace comes in. So that this world will look more and more like heaven. Guys, don't be afraid. There is good news. There's something that no matter what the world can throw at you, there's something that it can never take away from you. And that is Jesus. That is life, abundant life that he wants to give us. Joy to the full inside of us that nothing can ever take away. When God has filled us with love, 
Fear has no chance to grip us. Don't be afraid. There's good news. Let's have the band come back up as we close in prayer. Lord, we love you. Oh, would you reveal your love more and more this morning. Let us see what you did, Jesus, for us on the cross and in your resurrection in the incarnation. Lord, would you get the fear out of our lives and let us respond to you in faith. Thank you, God. So let's stand as the band brings us through one final couple of choruses. And I just want to invite you to, to respond as we, as we stand. During this Christmas Advent season, we've been putting fears on this tree. And if that's something you still haven't done yet or you'd like to do this morning, I just invite you to come up, take one of these cards, write a fear on one side. Ask God to tell you what's the truth or what's the thing that's going to get me free from that fear. And hanging on that tree, leaving that fear here today and responding to God in that way. And secondly, hey, if, if you're not a follower of Jesus, there's an invitation today to be included in God's family. It's as simple as just saying, Jesus, I want to follow you. I believe in what you've done. Forgive me for my sin. I receive your forgiveness into me. I'm yours. It's that simple. You can tell them in your own words. So we're going to close in these, in these last few songs. I just invite you to respond. Let's have the prayer team come up. Those of you are going to pray. If you want prayer for any of these things that you've been fearing or whatever or anything else, please come forward for prayer and let's celebrate what Jesus has done.